When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to 2024 and the Invested Podcast. We are we are just sort of amazed we're here. It's been that many years. How many (laughs) years, actually? Eight? I think we decided it was eight a while ago. Yeah, Yeah. it's been that is really amazing. Crazy. So into our ninth year now of this simple process of investing the simple simple process of of investing the simple process if we'd started of out snowboarding we'd be really good at it by now right <laughs> so you guys are probably really good at investing by now so are you really good at investing pace. by now oh yeah i'm pretty good okay i have to say good i i am pretty good um yeah the the funds that i run are doing really well we're either number one or number two in our category over wow. the last year and three that's years, awesome. which is great. And we're that's in a really category great. that's got $36 billion being invested in it. Nice. So, yeah, I think I'm pretty good at it. Well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I think, um, I'm it. sure I've said this before. I should but probably I, do all the SEC disclosures right there. Yeah, you definitely um, should. This is like, this, this is, the past results do not, predict the future results um you don't know what's going to happen investing is dangerous don't put your money into anything that is it's, true uh, that huh right yeah if you don't know what you're doing absolutely on your own then you should ask a really good investment advisor if you can find one to talk to you um if but they also exist definitely ask them yeah you should ask them and they will tell you diversify your portfolio across a gazillion stocks in order to protect yourself from the vicissitudes of the market. Or they might tell you you something else. Who knows? No, they won't. But the point here is get (laughs) advice, be wary, watch out that anything you put your money in, no matter how confident you are about it, could go to zero and generally buyer beware. Yeah. And if you do this investing long enough, you will put your money into something that goes to zero. Ask oh. me how I know. How do you know? In 40 years, <laughs> I had one do it. <laughs> and it's really, really irritating. Oh, if God. you put your money into yeah. something and you really believe in people and they take it to zero, they rip you off. But it happens occasionally. So, yeah, it, it you can lose all your money. It definitely can if you don't pay attention to the rules of investing. And then really there's two sets of rules. I think Danielle, there's the set of rules for people who don't know how to invest. And that those are the rules that Warren Buffett gives you, which are, or which the rule is put your money in the S and P 500 index and forget about it and just keep putting it in there. And over a lifetime of investing. And I agree with this. You will come out. Well, you're going to do well. 
trust in America. It's a good country. It's going to continue to grow. And that has worked really well for a long, long time. That's if you don't know anything. If you don't know anything and you ask an advisor what you should do, they are going to give you some version of that. Almost Mm -hmm. certainly they're going to give you some version of that, except it won't be the S&P 500 because then they won't earn their commission or their fee of 1% uh, per year. They will just simply advise you to diversify across a lot of different companies that you shouldn't be buying anything in one, any one company because it's too risky. And, um, and I'm, I'm, and I'm always fascinated by that because it really protects the advisor. It doesn't protect the investor. It protects the advisor. This kind of, this kind of language that they give you to diversify is understood by the SEC to be sober and conservative and, uh, if the advisor uses that language, they will be protected from a lawsuit, even if they lose your money. So if the market goes down 30% five years in a row, you know, you're in the middle of a depression, uh, the market, so let's say the market does 1932 level of stuff, 30, 31, 32, goes down 90%. You've lost virtually all your money. You take your money out and you sue the advisor for giving you such horrible advice mm-hmm. and they, you won't get anywhere because the advisor followed the rules yeah. according to the SEC. Yeah. And, and you're making it sound like that's dumb, but I mean, there are good reasons that that is the advice the SEC wants given out. And that is that most people, including professional investors, don't know much about what they're putting their money in. They don't know much about the companies that they're choosing. And that's because that's not their strategy. That's not their method. So they take this, tell me if what I'm saying here is wrong, but they generally take this uh, diversified methodology on the theory that nobody can know enough about a given company to just invest in a couple of them, that that would be way too dangerous. So therefore, buying multiple uh protects you which isn't dumb it's a theory to go by but the statistics show that it pretty much either matches the market or tends to be a little bit lower yeah that's that's right and um if you don't know anything then that's what you should do honestly yeah and there's a reason that buffett recommends that and not because buffett doesn't know what he's talking about he he recommends first of all he doesn't recommend putting stuff in a in a fund, a mutual fund or whatever that's uh, ultra diversified and that charges fees, he recommends that you buy the S&P essentially. And I think it's important to be really clear that that is an investment in the country, in the stock market that you're choosing. So you could buy like the market index of the French market, the Euronext, or you could buy the market index um, in London, or you could buy the market index in New York, or you could buy the market index in your own country. These are all investments in the future of that country and in the businesses of that country. And um, yeah. I just think being clear about, it's not just like a default, oh, I buy this thing and I don't really know what I'm buying. Like that is an investment and it is a bet on the future. And, and I think being being aware of that is really important. And that's why when Buffett gives that advice, he talks so much about how he has confidence in the future of American business and that he thinks it will be worth more in 50 years than it is today. You know, since people are listening to this podcast from all over the world, maybe we should 
just say a couple things about that. Um, sure. Why would why Buffett would think investing in America is investing in a good bet on the future? And if you were to compare, let's say, two countries which have enormous natural resources um, and good weather and water and all that, all the things that go toward you know making it easier for the country to be a successful country, and you compare. Um, the U.S. with, let's say, Argentina, mm-hmm. which in 1920 was one of the top 10 uh, gross domestic product countries in the world. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was right up at the top. And the the only real difference between Argentina and America is in the structure of their politics. You know, what what do they... What kind of political system are they using? What kind of economic system, economic slash political yeah, well, system do like they have? Yeah, well, it's like in currency and world power, too. Well, not, not from 1920. Not from 1920? Yeah. So if you were to take the two countries in 1920, both of them in the top 10, and say, you know, where will they be in 2020, mm-hmm. you know, 100 years later, I don't know that you would have bet that Argentina wouldn't have continued to do well. Okay. But they, what happened is they, in the 30s, they started into a kind of protectionist, not 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 nationalist borders, but a, a I guess the right word is a welfare state, one one where the government becomes more and more in charge of the success of companies and gets more and more, uh, more and more, uh, I don't know, buddy buddy or with the with the labor unions and essentially is is trying to do the things that populist um do the things that are popular politically where they're telling the mass of people that we're going to help you out we're going to make life easier on you and ultimately that turns into a, a a broad fascist system whether you're you know you call it communism like in china or whether you call it fascism like in Italy in the 1930s. You have a system that's being run from the top down and ultimately you end up having trained the people in the country to basically expect that the government is going to be there to help you out. And I'm just going to say impact has been horrendous. I don't know the history of Argentina, so I'm going to anybody who's like yelling at us right now that maybe maybe that's totally wrong. Um Unfortunately, I, I, I have no idea. So I'm going to go with what you're saying. I do have a oh, good, good friend Thanks who's so from Argentina. Hmm. And I kind of want to get him on here and have him tell us what happened. <laughs> well, right now they're going into a huge crisis. And they've just elected a uh, very, con- very conservative guy um, who is has been saying that we have to cut the size of government. We have to get our currency to be stable. We're going to link the currency to the dollar so mm. that we can no longer just have our our central bank just print whatever it wants to print mm. to meet government obligations. So he's really got got elected by 54% plurality. Wow, you've really been uh, following this. Well, it's a pretty interesting political story because mm. he's going to fail. Hmm. And it's going to be horrendous in Argentina. And the reason he's going to fail is because... This is your opinion. Yeah. 
okay. is because he has a very, very small percentage of this. His party only has like 25% of the seats in their, in their, uh, in their government. And is that, that a majority 70, though? No, oh. 75% of the government hates him for one reason or another, either they're a labor union party or a socialist party or some kind of party that wants to continue to promote policies to the public that are impossible to pay for. And well, those you, parties hate him. Usually what happens in a parliamentary system is that in order to create a voting majority, the, yeah, I don't know if it's parliamentary. I don't, I don't know what kind of, I honestly don't know if they have a parliamentary system or not because he, I don't think he'd been elected if, He's only got that small number of seats. He would have had to rely on a whole bunch of other. He just got popularly elected. Oh, so maybe they have a so. Well, here we are again talking yeah. about something we know nothing about. Um, Except we know this. Okay. We know this. Argentina is a train wreck of an economy. So tell and Argentinians me. Argentinians will tell you that. Tell me what the uh, difference is. Yeah, the difference. Well, here's my as far point, as investing. Is that, yeah. that Argentina had has great natural resources. Incredible. So if yeah. You, yeah. I mean, look at that compared to Singapore, which has a one port. That's it. Yeah. And yet Singapore is in the top five of GDP. Mm -hmm. And here's Argentina just tanking. I think they're way down the list right now. 40% unemployment, their currency, they're having 200% inflation. It's a nightmare down there. And you just compare that with an island that has nothing and is surrounded by enemies to Argentina, which has everything. And what's the difference, right? And, and it's, it's what the people have been demanding from their government. It's like, more, that's, that's just what it all boils down so to. So are you so saying when, look when, at when, the over, overriding political system when, when yeah, thinking about which stock look, market to invest in? Exactly. Look at where that country's going. Mm -hmm. Look at what exactly, political yeah. system is there. And if you want to bet on America, then in a sense, you sort of have to bet that we won't go into that extreme kind of, I don't know, it's sort of fascist government. One, one that provides everything for, tries to provide everything for the people. And then you look at what we've actually done. This is the part that's scary is you look at what's actually happened in America and you'll see that we have obligations to Medicare and Social Security that can't possibly be met under the system we have right now. So this is this is going the way of Argentina, where you, you, your politicians are making promises they can't keep. Do you and think then that that Buffett's statement that he thinks America's still a good bet is? Do you not agree with that? I think. America's still a good bet from Warren's perspective because he's seen how America corrects itself hmm. from its excesses on political parties. Um, the question is, can we continue to do so in the future? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
mm-hmm. right? That that's the tough part right now. We've got we've got an election coming up that could divide the country enormously between uh, the Republicans and the Democrats, and um, and both parties. There are really good people in both parties who truly believe that the election of the other party will be the destruction of the country. Yeah, this is where I I struggle with the advice, honestly, to buy a market index. It's it's easily said and it's easily done, and I understand why that advice is given for people who truly don't have time or interest in learning about companies or investing. But everyone listening to us now is interested in companies and investing or is trying to decide if they are interested. And for me, it just seems easier <laughs> to predict, to learn about a given company and tr- and attempt to predict its future or my confidence in its future than it is to predict a country <laughs> and my confidence in the future of a country. Like to me, it's smaller. It's more defined. I I have more information. It just to me it seems easier, and I did not feel that way. Of course, when I first started learning this from you, it felt completely overwhelming. But frankly, like with a bit of enjoyable research, it becomes easier than deciding if I like the future of the U.S. or the future of the U.K. or the future of Argentina. Well, I'm with you 100%. I mean, that I would say that that what's going on politically and economically in a country is is important. It's important to understand because it's the weather your company is yeah is dealing with. It's the weather. Like, so if you're out there in a hurricane, it's you're going to have some rough years. But we look at companies in Argentina. I mean, now. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we look at companies in Turkey. We look at companies in India. We look. We, we did look at companies in China. We've decided China has now put itself so much at risk of a completely fascist government that. That's a great example. China's a great yeah. example. I mean, the the com- Chinese companies have been top of the news for U.S. investors for a number of years now. Uh, to the point where people are like desperately trying to figure out how to buy shares in these companies and yeah. and without a lot of talk about I love that you said the weather that's a great way to put it the weather that these companies were living in um, except just sort of a general like sense that China understood that having a capitalist market economy at least as far as public companies seemed to be good for it but with the about face that's been happening, uh, I think people who who didn't really think too much about that are starting to say like, oh, right, the weather really matters. The political weather, the uh, mm-hmm. the, the market economy weather <laughs> really, really affects my investment. Um, yep. And that's, and- it's just something that for I would say European and American and Canadian and Australian companies, we just don't think that much about. And I do think it's an important thing to put on the checklist. So if you, if you, I mean, one of the nice things about looking at, uh, looking at the economy and the politics as weather pattern is that you'll get a very big advance notice. Like, you know, you could see China making the change, um, 
well, when it made the change, it was rather sudden and abrupt change, but you could get out of companies that were there without damaging too much your portfolio. Hmm. So I think the same thing would happen in the United States or in Canada. If the U.S. just goes the direction of Argentina and continues to have to print money, like this year we're printing $2 trillion, which doesn't... <laughs> This is crazy. It doesn't sound like much. Oh, we're only printing $2 trillion. Mm-hmm. We're printing about 10% of all of the money that's ever been printed in the history of the country just Jeez. this year. So okay. you just kind of think, well, okay, maybe that's a little bigger than I thought. And that's going to have an impact. And so here you have, you have this ongoing problem of required payments. I mean, they're not going to cut out Medicare, right? I mean, if anything, they're going to go for a universal health care of some sort. And in America, it just costs like twice as much as any other country. It's just very, very expensive. And then we have all the Social Security payment, and that that runs out of money, I think, in 2034, something like that, 2032. Mm -hmm. It's out of money and has to take money from the general taxes to a certain degree. Um, So, you know, we're, we're headed down this road that you can't stay on, and yet the politicians, no politician can can try to get off of it. You know, it re- won't be elected. It reminds me so much of one of the first case studies you told me about, uh, or I guess you told everybody about in your book, Rule Number One, about General Motors, which seemed, if I remember right, seemed to have really good economic numbers or at least pretty good economic no like it wasn't terrible right um Mm -hmm. and the problem was that they had these pension obligations and those pension obligations were relatively ignored by most investors it was just sort of like kicking the can down the road that's a thing but we don't really talk about it or look at it and it eventually obviously sunk the company in a really dramatic way Right. So, yeah, there's those. But you could see it. You could see it coming from a long well, that's, way out. Right. That's what I'm saying is you saw it yeah. coming. Maybe you can tell everybody the story because probably people have forgotten. Well, I think the main thing I saw. Well, just about was the lady, the, the lady that was in yeah. the car with you. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was taking this friend of mine's friend who's in her 80s um, to his birthday party and um, picked her up at the at the assisted living home and she was a pretty cool lady and this is in Jackson Hole and she and I were talking you know about what I do and then she said oh she's an investor and she invests in in General Motors and I said oh very interesting because I at the point in time had written how bad General Motors was as an investment hmm. I said so why why do you uh, why do you like that and she said whoa my husband you know, told me that this is the best company in the world and I should never sell that stock. Mm. And what got me was that it was paying a dividend and this is how her husband judged that it was the best company in the world. I forgot about the dividend part of it, yeah. And she was judging that it was still good because it was still paying a dividend and had increased the dividend as it had every year. Yes, that's right. They had increased the dividend every year, which yep. she took as information that the company was doing well. 
Right. Exactly. And what I knew was that they were borrowing all of the money to pay the dividend. And so they were cheating in order to um, keep people owning the stock. Mm. Uh, and ultimately that, that lack of integrity, you know, caused them to go down. Or it's one of the one of the main things that I think caused them to go down is the lack of integrity in the management team. Mm-hmm. They were they were just simply unwilling to deal with reality, um, and wanted to, as you say, kick the can down the road to the next management team. Um, and this is unfortunately what we see in corporations all the time. More maybe more so now than ever, um, as we are going into a new AI revolution, artificial intelligence revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, companies are going to get left behind. And when they do, the management teams are going to try to kick the can. They mm-hmm. are not going to own up to having made mistakes and not being on top of the thing. So, And the reason is really obvious is because they make so much money now as a CEO that if you can stick around an extra year or so, you're making an extra 10, 15, 20 million. Totally. And, investing I mean, your that. stock, which you're getting paid as a huge part of your compensation package. Right. Protecting that till you can get out. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, it's you know, such these a things messed are up incentive together. program. It's so oh messed up. God, these boards of directors have screwed the shareholders and changed the incentives of these companies so dramatically ever since the unintended consequences of Bill Clinton's administration pushing through a law to force companies to not pay their executives so much. Mm-hmm. Like anything over a million dollars was was no longer tax deductible. And it shifted companies over to an incentive system involving the stock. It shifted and, them to oh stock, which God. sounds good. It sounds good. Have your have your compensation linked to the the performance the of, the of the company. It sounds good. But right. what it does in reality, because executives are not there for 50 years and therefore they don't care so much about the long-term success of the stock. They're looking at how do I pump it up over the next five years and then I'm out. Yes, 100% right. So they've got the incentives all screwed up and now as a result of those, that opportunity, the corporate boards bring in consultants to tell them that you know, if you're at Coca-Cola, you can get paid more because they're paying more at Pepsi. And Which isn't wrong. Game. It's not wrong. They can get but paid more at Pepsi. But yeah, it's yeah, making true. this it's making this market of CEOs uh, sort of like internally pump up their own compensation. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, for well, sure. So all of this leads me actually perfectly to what I would like to do as a little series for us. Uh, Which is, I would, which is um, talking about how to get into the kind of periphery of a company. So one thing that I get asked a lot and I struggle with is like, okay, here's Lululemon, a company that I'm familiar with, that I shop at, that I feel very comfortable understanding that I've done the research on and I like it, let's say. I'm not saying I actually do. I'm just saying let's say. But I do feel comfortable with Lululemon and uh, feel comfortable in Lululemon. <laughs> Fine. Nothing? Fine. That's, that's pretty funny. Thank you. Um, 
so then what happens is I start thinking about, as you put it brilliantly, the weather. What's, what is the climate that this company is in? And how much do I need to know about it? I think that's the main question I have. How much do I need to know about it? So there's a number of levels or like kind of concentric circles around any given company. So you can go to like direct competitors, like very similar other companies, and then generally the industry competitors, and then the sector, or is it the sector and then the industry? I always forget. Um, and then the the country that it's in, or if it's an international company, the multiple countries that it's in, and then the stock market that it trades on, and then like the world, you know, <laughs> like you can just go out so much. And after a while, I sort of get my head spinning and going like, how much time should I be putting into this stuff? On the one hand, maybe just go for it. And then I kind of have a lot of background knowledge I can apply to a lot of different companies. Or on the other hand, maybe that time is better spent looking at company number two that I'm also interested in. So regarding like allocation of focus and time, I think my, my question is, how do we sort that out? Like the kind of the edge of of the company or the edge of the circle of competence, maybe. Yeah, I can. Does that, I can kinda, does that long question that. make sense? Tell you, yeah, I can kind of tell you what we do, and it, and it's a, it's kind of a of a, a matrix, if you will, between how hard is it to understand all the things you just mentioned. Yeah. And how likely is it that we can actually buy this thing on sale? Okay. In other but words, we could spend a standard... lot of time on Lululemon. Let me give you an example. Okay. We spend a lot of time on Lululemon, but if it never goes on sale, maybe there's a better choice. Because it might be never when I can buy Lululemon. What an odd answer. I would like to punt that until next episode. Shall we? Shall yes. we dive into that later? Because okay. I'm confused. Sounds good. Okay, very okay. good. I always like to so, leave the podcast with you confused. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> because it's going to take a while to figure this out. It might take um, a while. I don't know what to okay. call our theme here, but I think it's sort of like, let's call it the weather because I really enjoy that concept. Okay, we'll call it the weather. Okay, so everybody <laughs> who cool. has no clue when to stop researching, this is the big question. When do you stop researching? Listen up. Okay. 2024 okay. invested. We'll, we'll do that. On it. I feel like my, <laughs> I feel good. like the guy providing the answers is less interested than I am. <laughs> Maybe because it's just comes naturally to you, but I, I don't know. I really struggle with when to stop researching. I think, I think if we look at it with this matrix of price value versus difficulty to understand the industry, hmm. we'll start getting someplace. Okay. So cool. Let's dive into that next time. Okay. Welcome to the new year, everybody. And uh, see, thanks for dealing with our somewhat off schedule this week and over the holidays. And we will be back on right, time, time next week. Time to get at it. Just go do thanks, it. Thanks, everybody. We'll Just go do it. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding, they really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.